What's up, everybody? Welcome to Stick to Football, episode 32. I'm Matt Miller, joined as always by my buddy Connor Rogers. And if this is your like first or second time listening, you should know that our goal is to be like a year-round 365 NFL draft show. And like you know, given the name, stick to football, kind of tongue-in-cheek, like we're gonna talk about other stuff too. But this is primarily a draft podcast, it's the midweek show, especially. The Friday show is a little more uh, laid back and ridiculous. But, Connor, we have something good for the fans today. Not only are we going to go around the league with news and notes, give you all a college player to know, we have a a kick-ass Alvin Kamara interview, but we're also going to unveil our top 20 big boards as we get into kind of the final stretch of the season. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's about time, right? We did the mock draft on last week's show. I know you and Mello have been fixing a bunch of teams on the Friday show and giving them a lot of those top players. So it's about time we break it down and get into the top 20. And obviously, come draft time, Matt, we will have a total of 400 write-ups. So this is just a little (laughs) teaser for now. But hey, it is November, so it's about time we start introing a lot of these guys. And it's going to be a lot of fun today. Yeah, and it's time to stretch our legs. You know, we have spent months talking about the quarterbacks, and now... Like we're still going to talk about the quarterbacks because it's the most important position in football. It's probably the most important position in all sports. So we're going to talk about it. But it's time to expand a little bit and start to look at this class as a whole. You guys might be fans of the Chicago Bears and you want to know about wide receivers or you might be a 49ers fan and want to know about offensive linemen. So we are going to start to stretch our legs. Like you said, Mello and I on this Friday show will fix the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and and so we do, you know, try to break things down over the Friday show as well. But uh, let's start this off. We are recording this Wednesday morning. We're recording a little later this week because you were out on the road uh, doing a shoot for a guy who's impacted by this morning's biggest news. You were out there with LaShawn McCoy. The Bills announced this morning they're benching Tyrod Taylor and going to Nathan Peterman, the rookie quarterback out of Pitt. Yeah, that is exactly right. And I'm really glad this news came down today and not yesterday because I don't think LaShawn would I would imagine he wouldn't be too thrilled with this because when a rookie quarterback plays, it allows teams really to zero in on the run. And I think, you know, you do have to respect Tyrod's deep ball, and that's opened up the run game for LaShawn McCoy over the years. But Shady is absolutely awesome. I just want to get that off the top. It was, you know, a fun road trip out in Pennsylvania. It's good to be back and recording the show. And I tell you what. I don't know if I fully understand this. I think some people are saying, hey, you know, give McDermott a lot of credit for, you know, moving on to the rookie quarterback. And the Bills are still in the playoffs right now. Yeah, right. I don't understand. You're still a playoff team. Tyrod Taylor is an average quarterback, but you took away his main weapon in Sammy Watkins. You have not added a ton of help for him. The offensive line has struggled in recent weeks. I mean, they were pathetic against the Jets on Thursday Night Football, a game that I was at. Uh, the defense gave up 47 points last week. So at what point do you, how do you sit here and really tell a team, a team that respects Tyrod Taylor and say, yeah, uh, maybe he's the problem. Let's bench him. I don't, I don't like it at all. And I don't think Nathan Peterman's ready to play. I think that's the biggest point of all of this. Yeah. I went back and looked at my Peterman scouting report. I compared him to Jimmy Garoppolo coming out. So like not the Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers just traded a second round pick for, but the guy coming out of Eastern Illinois in that, He's kind of a smaller guy, doesn't have the biggest arm, but he's you know, he's accurate. He's not going to turn the ball over a lot, but I'm with you. I think Tyrod's a better quarterback. I know that you get to this point in the season and you make decisions for the future. And so the Bills are probably thinking, all right, Tyrod's not our guy. We're five and four. Let's see what happens. 
I don't get it. I think it's way too early to be ditching this season, especially after offensive coordinator Rick Dennison. All we heard all offseason was that like Tyrod was his guy. Like he wanted Tyrod. So this might be good news though. Like looking forward, Tyrod's gone. That's good news for yep. the New York Jets. That's good news for the Cleveland Browns. It's good news for the Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Jaguars. It's good news for a lot of teams. The Denver Broncos, if they can't figure their shit out at quarterback, and there are plenty of teams that could use a player like Tyrod, where, like you said, he's not a top 15 quarterback. But you tell me in a scheme he can't win some ball games, he can't be productive. He's been productive in Buffalo, and they have nothing. And so I, I like him probably more than the NFL does. I definitely like him more than the Bills do since they benched him. But this is the type of news that kind of reverberates because it it changes the offseason plan for a number of teams. Because I had heard last offseason, there were a lot of teams that, like when they were pitching free agents, they were saying, like, we're going to try to get Tyrod as our quarterback. And that was part of the pitch. So that opens that back up. Depending on how Peterman plays, it opens up the potential of the Bills going after one of these you know good young quarterbacks early. You know, he, where he was drafted, being a fifth-round pick, it's not like you've tied yourself to Nate Peterman long-term and said, hey, this is our guy. So it, it definitely puts the Bills in play for a quarterback. Yeah, this is a team that has two first-round picks, two second-round picks, two third-round picks in this year's draft. So they have the ammo to go up and make a move. And I, I keep saying this oh, over and over on, on the show. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, we will get to that in just a second, <laughs> but... I think that when you look at the top of the draft, we don't know what Andrew Luck's health situation is going to be, but we could probably say the 49ers would like Jimmy Garoppolo to be their future. Yep. Maybe they trade back, and the Bills have ammo to do that. So what do you got for us? I had heard about a month ago that the Bills loved Sam Darnold. Oh, how about but that? Well, it was one of those things where it was like, <laughs> I, I literally grabbed my notebook and started flipping through it. You guys might be able to hear the pages flipping, and I was like, who, who told me that? And I was like, oh, yep, there it is, that... Uh, that they did like him. Now, I I continue to hear Darnold's not a lock to come out, but man, if if the Bills you were when you're rattling off all the picks they have, they have the ammo to move up and get someone like him if he does come out. And Darnold's no lock to go number one anymore. No. It, it still seems like he's the favorite because I, I know people are saying, well, look at how he's played, and it's been on and off, up and down. But he's still really young, and this is a guy that was built to flourish during the draft process. And that's when teams are, you're going to hear his name continue to be at the top. So that's really interesting. I am entirely convinced that the Bills are going to make a big splash to get their quarterback of the future in this year's class. And we'll see how they do it. Yeah, it is going to be interesting to see exactly how they do that and where they go. Uh, Let's move down the state a little bit. The New York Giants lost again, and they got embarrassed. And it was embarrassing again. It was actually it was shameful that loss. This is a team that's supposed to have a good defense. I, yeah, and uh, this is probably one of the worst coached football teams I've ever seen in the last decade. Yeah, they're ranked thirty first in yards allowed right now. Four hundred yards a game they're giving up, and giving up oh is God. like giving up is a good word for them. Like, Janoris Jenkins isn't even trying to tackle anymore. Like, guys have just no. completely— And he's a great player. Great player. That's when you know. Yeah. When great players look checked out, I mean, there's a, there's a big-time problem there. And there's obviously been problems, him coming off a team-induced suspension. The Giants need to blow this up. Exactly. Yep. It's not it's that hard. It's time. Jerry Reese saved his ass by dominating free agency two years ago and built a playoff defense. 
But he didn't do anything else after that. He didn't go get a left tackle. He didn't help the offensive line. Running back has been, a, I don't know what to even describe it as anymore. It's just its just a guy. We always say Jags. It's a bunch of Jags rotating. Yep. And that you're not going to get anywhere when your offensive line's horrible like that. So it's time. And I think, Matt, we need to really talk about candidates to figure out who who's going to come in and f- fix this thing. I mean, they got to do something. Oh, my thing with them is they need to fire Jerry Reese, too. They need to fire the GM and the head coach. They both got to go. Yeah, yeah that's what, go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I think the perfect GM candidate for them would be Eric DaCosta from Baltimore. And the thing with DaCosta has always been he's waiting for Ozzy to, to retire and he'll take over. I think this is a job he would leave for. I'm entirely convinced of that. I think so, too. And I know we've said before that what the, like jobs like the Giants job, a lot of people would want like a lot of guys who've said in the past, like, no, I'm cool. Like staying where I am, you know, DaCosta would be one of them. Josh McDaniels, for Josh McDaniels coach. would be a head coaching candidate. I, I think we would even see Elliot Wolf of the, who a lot of people cool, think would man. just take over for the Packers job when Ted Thomas retires. So this is one of those jobs that would have a, a fun ripple effect because it might force someone like Ozzie Newsom to retire so that the Ravens keep Eric DaCosta or move into like an executive role, uh, like a not being the GM anymore, but like a you know president of ops or something like that. It might be a thing that pushes Ted Thompson out so that Elliot Wolf can you know take over that GM spot so that they don't lose him. It would be one of the it would be a major major shakeup. To oh yeah, this is yeah these job for, openings for head can coach really and GM. It could change the NFL's landscape. When the Giants' jobs open up, it can really change the NFL's landscape. Because guys will leave for it. Yeah, and guys have asked me on Twitter, what about John Dorsey and Dave Taub? I think you're aiming low. If that's who you're saying we want. I mean, this was always the job I heard Bill Cowher would come out for, come out of retirement for. And I know he's been out way too long at this point. The game's probably passed him by. But that just shows you like the weight of this opening, that everyone would want it. So... You know, this might be a spot that Sean Payton would leave New Orleans for if Drew Brees retires or isn't re-signed there. I mean, you could, you just have a dream candidate. You have a chance to get him. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. Uh, if you look at this job and you say nothing's off limits for this no. job, and I think that's that should make you feel really good if you're a Giants fan, knowing that. When the door opens, like I remember when the Jets job opened up a couple of years ago, and they wanted Dan Quinn. And they couldn't bank on waiting for Quinn after Seattle's Super Bowl run because they didn't really fully probably believe that, you know, he was going to take the Jets job and they they took Todd Bowles instead. I don't think the Giants are in one of those situations where, you know, they should feel very confident. They their jobs open up and they almost get to pick before anyone else does. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And and I have said before, I think the Bears head coaching job opens up. That's going to be an interesting one because a lot of people. Now, even though things haven't gone well there, that's still a job a lot of people would want. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I, I think Black Monday this year is it's January first, so it's gonna be crazy. We're all gonna be hungover and cranky, and people are gonna be getting fired, and we're gonna be like trying to break news and scramble to figure everything out. So that we might oh, have to do like a special show or something yeah, just I'm, because I'm we might have to do a that. live show on Facebook or something just to cover that. Uh, so the Tennessee uh, Volunteers, University of Tennessee, fired their head coach. There are a lot of rumors out there about who would take that job, but uh, your defense coordinator, Casey Rogers' name got thrown out there. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about John Gruden because 
I'm not trying to get John Gruden a raise. And I think that's the only reason his name comes up is because he wants more money for Monday Night Football. I don't see anyone in hell he goes back to, goes to college, not back to college, to college to be a head coach at Tennessee. What about Casey Rogers? Is that a good name? No. Um, <laughs> I couldn't have given you a more blunt answer. I love that, though. Don't waste time. Uh, <laughs> I feel I'm slightly bad. I met Casey down in Mobile two years ago and probably one of the nicest people you will ever meet out of coaches in the NFL. But good Lord, could somebody, you know, do less with more with this Jets defense than Casey Rogers? I mean, it got to the point where Todd Bowles had to come in and start doing all the game planning and defensive assignments because he was just terrible at it. You remember two years ago? I mean, obviously you remember when the Jets had the best wide receiver duo statistically in the league with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, Chan Gailey coaching Ryan Fitzpatrick with that group. Yeah. The Jets had a great, not great, but lots of pieces on defense. Darrell Rebus was still a good player. Obviously, Mo Wilkerson was, he had a career year that year. It was Leonard Williams' rookie season. This was a very solid defense, and they couldn't have underperformed more when Casey Rogers was running things there. So to put it quite simply, I, I have been very underwhelmed by everything he's done in New York. And good luck, Tennessee, if that's the route you go. Well, there you go. I said that their first call should be to Matt Campbell, and Iowa State fans were just incredibly pissed because, you know, they, well, they like Matt Campbell. <laughs> I'm like, well, sorry, guys. Don't Nobody wants to hear about yeah, their guys don't leaving. Win. Don't beat. Oklahoma, and if you don't want your head coach's name thrown out there, so apologies, Iowa State. But I just want to throw that out there because it has an NFL and college football tie-in. The one thing, I took a vacation this weekend, which, okay, I get it. It was horrible timing, but I had vacation. I have vacation time still that I have to use or I'm going to lose it. So I'm like, shit, I need to get away. Uh, between all the you know personal stuff with my brother getting sick and all the work travel that I've been doing, I thought... Hey, last weekend, let's. I'm just going to go away, um, you know, get out of town. And I kept getting pulled back in on Twitter to the point where you finally text me and we're like, dude, turn Twitter off. Just, like, turn just it off. get off Twitter. You, so I did you, finally. You think you miss more than you do. Like this wasn't. Yeah. I, and I thought I, I would be able. Up, yeah. I thought I'd be able to just like throw a tweet or two out there. But then I got people in my mentions telling me that Saquon Barkley sucks. Oh, yeah. I forgot that was this weekend. So that thing. is Saquon Bar- Barkley actually good was the fun that was take it. of this weekend. Um, I'm going to spell up. this People out so dumb. in seven words, seven letters. Excuse me. <laughs> Fuck. Yes. <laughs> He's the best player in the draft. Now, you can tell me that there are some weaknesses to his game. He doesn't run uh, through contact like you would want for a 230 pound guy. Cool. I get it. If you're one of those idiots that scouts on numbers for running backs, his numbers haven't been great. That means you're a moron, but cool. If you want to do it that way, here's how you actually evaluate a running back. And I say this is the guy who, like, I'm not by far the only one who missed on Trent Richardson, but apparently I'm the only one who will talk about it. So here's what I learned by missing on Trent Richardson. Traits matter for running backs. Production has to be a byproduct of traits. So when I look at Saquon Barkley, I see someone who transcends scheme. Inside zone, outside zone. He catches the ball well. He's a great pass protector. He can return kicks, which he should never do in the NFL, but it just shows his overall athleticism. I've never seen those traits on a running back who also has no injury and no off-field concerns. It is rare. I, I would consider his off-field a gigantic plus. Yeah. Which you can't... You could say a guy has no off-field concerns, but then there's a difference when it's an absolute plus. 
and Barkley checks off the big it's like three. Mariota. Like his off yes. field is like Mariota, where it's like this guy's so good, it will be bad. You know, like that was the thing of Mariota. Like his red flag is there are no red flags. Yeah, people like, were like, "Well, what's the, what's the deal yeah. with him?" And when uh, you look at Barkley, he checks off the big three. He's a great runner, great pa- you know, you said it, great pass catcher, great pass protector, and and then you add in the traits there. But Barkley is going to dominate the NFL Combine. He's going to probably oh run God. a sub four. He's probably going to run a sub four four, two hundred thirty pounds. And I know, I believe it was Greg Gabriel on Twitter that came back at you and was like, "Yeah, that's great," but he doesn't run like a two hundred thirty pound back. Why are we always looking for reasons to doubt a player? Let's like we're just yeah. we're just. I was taught that, like, to look at what a player yeah. can do. Uh, yeah, that's that's because that's a smart way of teaching. And then scout. put that, like, okay, so if he can do this, this, and this, oh, we just ask him to do those things, and he's going to be really good. So I don't know. I don't know also why there is this, like, need to tear down good players. Well, there's two reasons. One, people are bored and want to be... Okay, there's a couple of reasons. <laughs> People are bored and they want to be they want to be like weirdly right. Like they want to take a different stance and be right. And it's just throwing blind darts where they hope like this goes back to somebody making Vernon Adams the, the best quarterback oh, in a shit. draft class. That's throwing blind darts and saying, "Well, if this works out, everybody's going to think I'm a genius." But it didn't work out and then you look like an idiot. So, it's the same concept as that. A- and when you look at Saquon Barkley, it's like Okay, uh, there are things that we should be concerned about, like production right now. Yes, but that doesn't change that he's a great football player. It's it's mind numbing, to be honest. Like it, and you know, Matt, why you get it so bad on Twitter is because the other big draft analysts that you sit aside with, like McShay, Kuiper, uh, Mayock, like you know, DJ a little bit, but not as much. Those guys don't reply to their mentions like you do, and I'm. That's a good. It's. Uh, to be fair, it's one of the reasons it's gotten you here because you've interacted with people for so long and people love, there's good fans. They love asking you questions, but they need to feed back guys that were misses and you're the only guy, draft guy, that'll that'll answer. So that's why you get so much of it. Damn, that's a good point. <laughs> so like they can't go to Mel Kuyper and be like, oh, Mel said this on TV. Let me tweet at him and he's, I'm going to get a reaction. Like they're not going to get that. And I think what part of what makes your brand so unique and what makes what we do so fun is that you do interact with everyone. But that also comes with the bad. That's just the nature of the business. Well said. Let's move on. (laughs) A guy we both like, Baker Mayfield. And we're going to talk about him as we get to our top 20 big boards because I think I haven't looked at yours because I wanted to be surprised. I think we will both have him in there. I've seen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you've been with me when we've had conversations with people on the road or on the phone about people in the NFL about Baker Mayfield, where they've said he's not a first round quarterback. He's not a first round quarterback. So everyone in the media though is saying he's a first round quarterback. So I am curious to watch this and I don't have an answer for it right now. I'm curious to see what changes. Do we in the media, you know, like talk to scouts more and talk to coaches and our opinion changes of Baker Mayfield or do those opinions that we've heard in the NFL as they dig in more, are those going to change? Because right now there's a divide. Like I have him ranked top 20. You have him ranked top 20. I think, Yep. I think I saw that Daniel Jeremiah has him ranked pretty high as well. Maybe he hasn't put a ranking on it, but he said he's a first rounder. I don't know about the ESPN guys, but it, it definitely seems like there's a gulf here between what we see and what we hear. So I just want to put think, that on the radar. Yep. And I think it's a great thing to bring up, and I think Baker Mayfield for you will be a very similar process, 
not to the same extent, but similar to what Teddy Bridgewater was to you. Where I don't think you'll love, like you had a special kind of prospect love for Teddy that I don't know if Baker will reach that level, but it'll be the same thing where you're sitting there saying, and I definitely will be right there with you, he's a top, he's a first round pick, especially in this class. He's a first round pick. And he might, it's going to be interesting. I do think he gets in the first round because the class isn't very good. Where yeah. areas Teddy Teddy was just on the outside looking in. With Baker, here's the one the one note I had uh, in my notebook is that scouts had a round four grade on him over the summer, and I know a lot of people will be hesitant to change that. This it reminds me of the conversations I was having last year at this time about Pat Mahomes, where I was telling scouts like he should go first round. If if you're telling me that every quarterback has to be developed, he should go first round because of his traits. And they were pushing back. No, no, no. He's late rounder. He's late rounder. And eventually, I mean, you know, full circle, he ended up going first round. I I wouldn't be surprised if Baker's not the same way, where guys stick to that summer grade so long because they don't want to say, okay, we undervalued this guy. And he, to Baker's credit, I've not seen a quarterback make this type of jump in a year like he has, like where his on-field play is this, just this much better. Especially a guy that returned for his senior year. That's what's remarkable yeah. to me. I mean, I, so when I watched over summer, and I fortunately had a lot of all 22 of Baker, there was times where, you know, he'd miss some throws that you were like, man, he's got to hit that. Is he just not seeing it? Is he not working through the pocket? Now you look at him this year, and I just don't think he's missing those throws. I don't think Baker will ever have a special deep ball. I don't think Baker will ever be this absolutely dominant pocket passer what makes Baker so great is his ability to work in and out of the pocket but once again it's nitpicking what he can't do and I think when you look at Baker Mayfield and you look at quarterback playing the NFL right now there is no reason he can't be a very successful starting quarterback that's I'm right there with you and we will probably talk more about him uh two injuries to update you guys on Josh Allen the Wyoming quarterback left last week's game against Air Force with a sprained AC joint sounds like the, it, no structural damage after they did an MRI. Um, he's a uh, day-to-day, I, I believe is what Coach Bull said uh, in a press conference on Tuesday. So that is one to watch. Uh, I firmly believe that Allen just needs to get healthy for the Senior Bowl. Uh, I don't know that there's anything else he could do this season that's going to help him. Mobile is really going to be the proving ground for him. Uh, so that is at least going to be one to watch because it's a shoulder injury, so it does kind of scare you a little bit. But it sounds like he escaped uh, injury. Not a surprise that he was hit pretty hard on the throw that caused it uh, because their offensive line is not any good. That's right. And then uh, Connor Williams. Uh, I had, have had, ranked him as my top offensive tackle in the draft. He got hurt week three against USC uh, with a, a sprained MCL. It sounds like he could return this week against West Virginia, which is going to be not only a huge boost for the Texas offense, which really needs it down the stretch, but Williams needs to rehab his stock a little because he came into the year hot, real hot, and then struggled against Maryland. And I I think it hurt his stock. Depending on who you talk to, people will tell you, still a great athlete. He's still a first-rounder. I've talked to other scouts who said they have a third-round grade on him because the Maryland tape was that bad, and they worry about arm length. But how he – I think he has a chance to at least ease some questions about his play nationwide – and we'll see ultimately where he ends up. I still think he's a first-round player just on the potential and well, and the production he showed those first two years as a starter. Yeah, no doubt. It's actually really good that we're going to get to see him down the stretch here this season. I think he's he obviously wanted to play. 
He's a guy that needs to play and, and hopefully show that like a game like the Maryland game was more of an outlier or a fluke than what he is. Because you look at him last year and he was way better than that. So hopefully yeah, he's healthy I'm- now. It, it's just very strange. It seems like something wasn't right whether he wasn't healthy. So it's good that we get to find out now that he is returning. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's do our college player to know before we take our first break. And then we'll come back with Alvin Kamara. Uh, then we'll do our top 20 big boards and finish it out with draft on draft with Kennedy. Uh, who you got this week, man? We took last week off because of the mock draft, we, so I'm excited. We did. We had a long show last week, so we took a little break. But I got Carlton Davis, the corner from Auburn. This is a player nice. that I have I have watched with you. And, I mean, man, he's just super impressive. A long, physical press corner, a true 6'1", 205 pounds. Love what he does at the line of scrimmage. He just makes receivers day an absolute nightmare. Plays the ball really well in the air. He's had a couple games where he's broken up multiple passes this year. So I think Carlton Davis is a corner that can definitely find his way into the first round. It'll be very interesting to see how he runs. Yeah, it is. And I I do like him. Uh, This corner class has been shaken up a little bit because of Holton Hill being suspended. uh, Tavares McFadden at Florida State just hasn't had the year that he had last year. Uh, Jair Alexander was hurt yeah, most of the hurt. year. Yeah, uh, Joshua Jackson, Iowa. That's Mello's guy. He's having a great he year. Looks good. He looks real good. Uh, so my guy to know, Stanford defensive lineman Harrison Phillips, playing nose tackle, which is not where he's going to play in the NFL. <laughs> he's a monster, though. Like His production, his motor, He's. I, I think he had nine tackles uh, last week against Washington. He's just a, a great player in the middle. He's 6'3", about... 290, maybe he'll get up to 300 pounds. He's number 66. Just a great all-around player. Uh, He's one of those guys, like Stanford's weird, but he can technically, he's a senior, so he's draft eligible, but he could apply for another year because of a medical red shirt. He's a team captain. I think he probably comes out this year. Uh, Looks like he's going to be maybe not a first-round pick, but probably a top 50 pick is where I would have him right now. Just, hey, that production is off the charts. And, you know, the 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 character is really good too from him. So I, I really like everything I've seen there. Sounds a little familiar, huh? Another Stanford defensive lineman, high character, playing out of position, could fly up into the top fifty. <laughs> yeah, weird, from November right? to the yeah. spring. It's funny how that works. That's pretty good though. People should definitely keep an eye on him because that's a name that we have not heard a ton of so far this yeah. year. Yeah, and I'm sorry, it was against uh, Oregon State where he had nine tackles. If I could read my own writing, sometimes it would help me out a lot because yeah, there's a lot like, going on in this rundown. No, no, we'll have to yeah. show people the rundown one day of how chaotic it gets. <laughs> All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to have uh, New Orleans State's running back Alvin Kamara. Uh, then we're going to jump into our big board and draft on draft. All right, everybody. Uh, now we have Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints on with us. Uh, it's just me interviewing him. Connor's out on the road uh, doing some some tape stuff with LaShawn McCoy. So I get one of the best young running backs in the NFL all to myself. So, Alvin, thanks for coming on with us, man. No doubt. Appreciate you having me, Matt. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of like got became aware of you last year pretty early in the year because area scouts would go into Tennessee and they kept telling me, man, this this Tennessee running back. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know about Jalen Hurd. They're like, no, 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 the <laughs> other one. 
So, man, like for people who don't know, because you kind of came on the scene out of nowhere, like what what was your story, you know, up to this point, you know, going to Tennessee and, you know, kind of being the, I don't want to say the backup, but kind of being the second guy for a while. And now yeah. you're now you're dominating. Man, I mean, just being at Tennessee and being playing that role. I mean, it, it, it was frustrating to say the least, you know, because I, I felt like I had, you know, something to offer and I felt like I could make plays and, and, and you know be explosive and, and, you know, be a big part of why Tennessee won. But, you know, it just didn't work out like that. I mean, I played my role um, and just, you know, didn't complain, kept a grin on my face and, and did what I had to do. You know, when the ball came to me, I made my plays. And, you know, uh, now, I mean, I am where I am. I'm with the Saints and, and loving every bit of it. There was a play against Vanderbilt, I think, that that I like, put you on the map. And you probably know the one I'm talking about where you broke like seven <laughs> tackles and you're just That's like strange. carrying dudes into the end zone. Uh, does Do you think like from your college play, is that like the play that you look back on and you're like, yeah, that was like, that was my best play? Yeah, that, I mean, that was one That was one of them. I mean, out of the, the limited amount of touches that I had, <laughs> that that play, I think that was, that was a big play. I mean, it was one of those plays where I was in my head. I'm like, man, they're going to, you know, they're going to feel me. But this is, <laughs> this is a statement. So speaking of Tennessee and you can be candid here now that Bush Jones yeah. is gone, what was your relationship like with him? I mean, did you, did you have a good relationship or not so good? I mean, our, our relationship was good. There was, there was nothing negative about our relationship. Um, you know, uh, he was, he was my coach. I came there, you know, for, for a big reason why I went there was, because of him and, and Coach Gillespie, and then I had some friends that went there. So, you know, our relationship was good. Moving forward to that transition to the NFL, how easy has it been for you? Because it seems like, you know, like for young running backs, a lot of time we hear like, oh, this guy's a good runner, but he's not up to speed in pass pro or he's not up to speed as a receiver. But you have seemingly just stepped right into that offense. How easy has that been for you? Man, it's 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 been it's it's been pretty easy, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's just, it's been pretty easy, you know, having Drew and, and Mark and, you know, I had AP to learn from everybody. I mean, all those guys, Ted Ginn and, and Brad Coleman on the receiver side, just to help me with, with route running and Mike Thomas, things like that. I mean, it's been, it's been fairly easy because those guys are so open and, and they're so willing to help that, you know, with me, I can, I feel comfortable going to them, asking questions and, and, you know, getting all the information I need, and they're 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 there to give me information even when I'm not asking for it. I mean, Mark has been great in the running back room because I mean that's like he's like a older brother to me, and having that relationship, and then be being able to go on the field and and kind of like have that same relationship and have that same chemistry is big. Um, it's it's huge. So that's been helping me a lot. I mean, those guys are you know fantastic when it comes to that. And we always hear from SEC guys that they're like, you know, I played in the SEC. We had Leonard Fournette on a couple weeks ago, and he was like, man, you know, I, the defense I saw at LSU was as good as some of these defenses in the NFL. So does that help, like, when you have to play Alabama and Georgia and, and all those schools, and then you, you go into the NFL, and you're like, oh, this is kind of the same deal? Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely helps. It definitely does help. You know, those SEC defenses, every week you got to see you got to see somebody. I mean, and it's top draft picks. It's top guys, you know, that you're playing against now in the NFL. So being able to do that, I mean, it, it helps coming into to the uh, your NFL career because, I mean, like I said, every week you're seeing somebody you got to go against, I mean, some top dude. So it's been, it's, it's, it's been helping me a lot. Yeah, especially, uh, you know, you're playing Florida 
when they were just loaded with all those like Jared Davis and all those guys, Marcus May. So yeah, yeah pretty good, de- pretty good NFL defenders already. So who yeah. like, I don't know if you grew up watching a lot of NFL, you know, some guys do, some guys don't, but is there anyone that you, you feel, like, feel like your game kind of compares to because you are such a dual threat as a runner mm-hmm. and a receiver. Is there anybody where you're like, yeah, that's, you know, I'm trying to be an ex priest Holmes or someone like that. Man, that's funny you said Priest because that's who I used to watch a lot when I was younger. <laughs> Priest Holmes, I mean, um, Clinton Portis, uh, you know, go back and, and dip in the ball and watch that Mark, Marshall Falk. Uh, it's just Frank Gore, a lot of those guys. I mean, just watching those guys growing up and just trying to – and then Adrian, I mean, I, I'm, now it's kind of like normal because I was playing with Adrian, but <laughs> watching Adrian too and just trying to mold my game – around all those guys, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm about to do a little bit of this. I saw Priest do this. I saw Clinton do this. I saw Frank do this. I saw Marshall do this. Like, I'm about to try to do it all. And I think that was, like, what kind of formed me into, like, the kind of back I am today. Yeah, and one thing we've seen with you that I guess I didn't expect to see coming out of college so much anyway is that you have almost as many catches as you do rushes. And some of that's probably because Mark is, you know, a very good back and you guys are sharing touches, but – did you expect to be like such a big part of the receiving game, like when they drafted you, or like when you're going through camp? When did you kind of figure it out? I mean, when it, through camp, that's kind of when I was like, okay, yeah, I'm about to, I'm about to be able to catch some balls. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I kind, I knew what role I was coming into play, but I didn't know it was going to be, you know, as big like from the jump as it is, you know, as it's turned out to be. Um, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm catching, you know, I'm. I feel like I'm a receiver, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's definitely, I mean, it's it's fun. I'm capable. I can do it. But, I mean, I didn't think, you know, I just came in. It was like, you know, whatever whatever they throw at me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat up. And it's been going in the – I've been – you know, my plate has been full. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it really has been. I mean, you have 64 carries, uh, what, 43 catch, 42 catches. And one thing that we're seeing that you did do in college was you had a knack for the end zone. Even when you didn't get big touches, like you were always finding your way to the end zone. You're kind of doing that again. Uh, you have six touchdowns on the year. You you got your first 100-yard game this past week uh, when you guys just stomped Buffalo. So yeah. I, do you feel like now you're kind of over that that first hurdle and it, you're just going to roll now up to the plus? Because a lot of people, rookies hit that wall. You know, you, like you get into week 12, week 13, and and you start to fade a little bit. Do you feel like you can just keep going? I feel like, yeah, I, I definitely feel like I can keep going and keep rolling. And, I mean, I think that's a lot of credit to my teammates, you know. I mean, those guys helped me out a lot with, with just the mentality and, like, you know, what this league is, you know, um, as far as this preparation and taking care of your body and things like this. And they're like, man, you just got to keep rolling, you know, keep rolling and, and keep preparing and just keep balling. Um, it's just it's, – it's been helpful having them because they tell me a lot of things about, you know – some places it's not like this to where, you know, the, the older guys and the vets are helping out rookies and looking out for the rookies as much as they are. And, you know, they're they're excited to see me ball. So, you know, they're helping me as much as they can. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so one thing we do with all of our guests, we ask the same five questions. And it's just like the first thing that comes to your mind. We call it the gauntlet. And these will be the last, uh, last five things I ask you. So what's your favorite, like on an off day or when you're not training, what's your favorite beer or cocktail? Yeah, I'm a Moscow Mule guy. Oh, keeping it light, refreshing. I like that. Yeah, you know, Moscow Mule, I'm, I like the ginger, you know? <laughs> yeah, all right. So what's the meanest tweet you've ever been sent? Man, somebody, okay, so I think Texas A&M, like, I fumbled, when I fumbled, I had that long screen against Texas A&M, and I, and I took it down, you know, down to, like, their, like, 10-yard line, and I fumbled. So 
after the game, you know, you everybody, you know, you go on your phone and you just like, all right, just looking. Somebody tweeted me and was like, I hope you die, but I hope you don't die a painful death. I hope you just die. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what the fuck did that mean? Like, you probably died. Shit. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I almost tweeted back. It was like, all right, I'm dead. But I was like, man, y'all are crazy. That's so specific, too. Yeah, like, I hope you die, but not a painful death. Okay. I don't know. Let me figure out how to do that shit. Yeah. So what's the one game that none of your friends could beat you at? Like, some of, some people say, like, Madden or, like, uh, 2K or FIFA, things like that. Like a video game? Yeah, or even, like, pool or, like, cornhole. Oh, yeah. So this is this is the thing about me. I'm multi talented. Like I do, I when when I pick something up, like I'm pretty natural at it, at it. So like I just beat all my friends at the stuff they think they're good at. Cause I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You just go around <laughs> dominating. Like yeah, if it's pool one day and you think you're good at pool, it's a little bit. It's like I think it's I, I play the mental game because I act like I'm good at everything <laughs> and then I turn out to be good at everything because I got to back up what I'm saying. That's ever so, ping pong. You know, I just started playing ping pong because they play ping pong a lot in the locker room. I'm like, man, I got to get good. Alex and uh, Anzalone was killing me. And I'm like, man, I got to get a win against him. <laughs> Have you beat him yet? No, nah, I ain't beat him yet. But his, I'm a, his arm is his arm is a little messed up right now. You know, oh, had yeah. that I got to give him some time to recover. <laughs> now might be the time to go at him, you know? Yeah, just for real though. <laughs> All right. Fourth question, if you're stranded on a deserted island, who do you want there with you? Just one person. If I'm stranded on a deserted island, who do I want with me? Yeah, you'd be like your dream girl or or whatever. Uh, me and a girl, we can't sour, so I don't need a girl with me. <laughs> All right, let me see. Like, as far as we got, we got to get off the island. We got to be resourceful. Yeah, we yeah gotta, you got to survive or get off the island. I got Marshawn Lynch with me. <laughs> He's going to make something happen. I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to make something happen. And I kind of got that same mindset. We're going to make something happen. And you would at least be entertained if Marshawn yeah, was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, last question we ask everybody. Um, and my co-host isn't here with me, but we have a rivalry about this. It's, it's really serious. So on a hot dog, do you put ketchup or mustard? I put ketchup. I don't eat mustard. You don't eat mustard at all? No, I don't eat mustard at all. I just asked somebody that the other day. I was eating, I was eating a hot dog. And it was like, oh, you eat ketchup? I'm like, yeah, oh, you eat mustard? Like, they only have mustard on hot dog. I'm like, you nasty. Like, who does that? Somebody I do. Yeah. You, just, you put mustard? Yeah. Maybe it's like a regional uh, thing. I don't know. Yeah, it probably, I think it is. I'm from the South. I'm from Atlanta. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't use, I don't use mustard. That's good. I, I don't like, even know what mustard tastes I really, and the sad thing is, I don't even really know what mustard tastes like. It's, uh, you should give it a try. I mean, it's kind of. I don't know, it's kind of like tangy. I don't know. It's, it is hard to describe. <laughs> it's a it's a acquired taste, I think. <laughs> yeah. See, there we go. I don't need, I'm cool. I've acquired my taste for ketchup. All right, man. I appreciate your time and uh, keep doing it this year. You've been great so far, so keep it going. No doubt. Appreciate you, Matt. All right, welcome back, and thanks again to Alvin Kamara for a great interview. Uh, he's a hilarious guy. He's having a great year, so I, I'm sure several of you have him on your fantasy team, and you can tweet him uh, your thank yous. But let's jump into this upcoming class. We're going to do a top 20 big board. Uh, Connor, to save time so that this isn't a four-hour podcast, uh, we're going to rip through this pretty quickly. I'm going to list my top five guys and highlight one player. Then you're going to list your top five and highlight a player. And we'll just kind of zigzag back and forth uh, between those guys. Uh, so let's start this off. 
my top five, Saquon Barkley, Josh Rosen, Minka Fitzpatrick, Bradley Chubb, and Quentin Nelson. And the guy I'm going to highlight is Josh Rosen. The quarterback play across the board this year has been not necessarily bad, but maybe underwhelming compared to what we expected over the summer. When I watch Josh Rosen, though, he still looks beautiful as a thrower. And I've told a couple people this lately, but physically and with like just his stroke and the way he plays, I get a Jared Goff feel. And if if I end up liking him like like I liked Jared Goff, he's going to have a very high grade for me because I, I loved Goff. So don't give up on Rosen just yet. I, I think as of now, if the Browns have the first pick, there's a great chance they would make him that franchise quarterback. And he, I do think he would be a good fit in Cleveland. He's different from anyone they've ever drafted before. Uh, he, he is your prototypical franchise quarterback. The key would be making sure he is like cool with that culture. Cause I've heard before this kid is, he's brash. He's abrasive. You have to get him to, if he buys in that, Hey, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be that mf that goes to Cleveland and turns this franchise around. I think he's that confident. So if you can get him sold on that, that he's going to be the Troy Aikman of Cleveland, then I think you have your guy. Because for him, it's it's like probably 85% mental. Yeah, I you know how much I love Josh Rosen. And I think it would take a, a new staff that actually, well, I should say a new front office that actually wants to work with a coaching staff in there to make that pick. I don't know if this current regime, if they can get that done and and it would be a good landing spot for Rosen but like you said he's got a different mental makeup you look at my top five players we just kind of played scramble here uh Saquon Barkley just like you right off the top number one but then Bradley Chubb Quentin Nelson Josh Rosen Minka Fitzpatrick I wanted to highlight Quentin Nelson here I you know could talk about Chubb because I think it's interesting I have him number two but we've done a lot of that over the last couple weeks Quentin Nelson is so interesting because he's my third overall player and he plays guard. So it goes to show you how good he is. I am sure I feel almost conf- very positive he's going in the top 15 in this year's class, which goes to show you that he can be a Zach Martin caliber prospect. That, that's I agree. just how good he is. Teams are going to want to see if he can also play center. That versatility will increase his value a little bit. But I don't think Quentin Nelson's leaving the top five from now until his name is called in round one of the top 15 next spring. I love it. How about your next five? Next five, Darius Geis, Deron Payne, Baker Mayfield. That might shock people a little bit, but I've been on been really high on him for a while. Ogbana Okoronkwo, the edge rusher out of Oklahoma, right after Baker Mayfield. He should get more love than he does on that Oklahoma defense. And Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's still in the top 10. I like what Darnold can be. I think he's got a little bit of a bigger development curve than a lot of people expected. But looking at Oboe, from Oklahoma. I, I think he's really a do-it-all pass rusher for this front. I, I love he can bend a little bit off the edge. He's got really strong hands. He gets off the snap very quickly. I think when you look at this edge class, we've talked so much about Harold Landry and Arden Key, especially what Arden Key can be, not what he is right now. And it's had Oboe slide under the radar a little bit where he only he's sitting behind Bradley Chubb for me out of this pretty impressive pass rushing class. Yeah, dude had 59 pressures in 2016. So I he just get, big, he just disrupts things. That's what he yeah. does. And it translates to the NFL. I know he's not the tallest guy. He's probably like 6'1", 240. But it, it doesn't matter when you can get after the quarterback like that. Yeah, and hopefully we get a chance to see him at the Senior Bowl uh, since he is eligible. Uh, so my next five, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. Staying with those two right there. This is like so much based on what I, like, not only what I'm hearing, but what I'm seeing. I, I think with Darnold, 
some of his, I know he leads the FBS in turnovers right now, or FCS, excuse me, in turnovers right now. I think you have to have context with that due to, some are definitely his fault, without a doubt. There are also some dropped and tip passes in there that, that add up. With Josh Allen, it, it's a lot of potential still. Arden Key, uh, I have at eight. Rashawn Evans at nine. Harold Landry at 10. I wanted to highlight Rashawn Evans. If you are listening to this in Oakland, the Raiders need Rashawn Evans. Like This is exactly what is missing for this team. With uh, I, I know you got Navarro Bowman. I love Bo, but long-term, like Rashawn Evans is the type of athlete, leader, like coverage linebacker. He is a do-it-all player in the middle of the field. Number 32 for Alabama. He is, like, we talk a lot about Minka Fitzpatrick and Ronnie Harrison. And you, you mentioned Jerron Payne. You have him as your number seven player overall. Rashawn Evans makes that defense go. Like, he is the heart and soul of it. Uh, it's kind of like how Jamal Adams was at LSU last year. Like, that type of impact on the entire defense. So, Rashawn Evans, the Raiders need this guy. Reggie McKenzie, like, I wouldn't even ask for a cut. Uh, I don't need commission on this pick. Just make it happen. Just do it, right? What do you yeah. got for what do you got for uh, eleven through fifteen? Yeah, eleven to fifteen. I got Darius Geis, who you mentioned before. Derwin James at Florida State. Ronnie Harrison, safety at Alabama. Here's where I have Connor Williams, the tackle from Texas. He could go up at once we see him healthy. And then I had Baker Mayfield right at pick fifteen or player fifteen. But the one I'm going to call it here is Darius Geis. We have talked so much about Saquon, like Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley. We can't forget that Darius Geis is really, really good too, and he was hurt the beginning of the year. Then he came back with a vengeance. I think Darius is just a smooth, beautiful, natural runner. And he can run with vision and patience. He can run with power. He finishes well. I think if you're a team like Washington and you've really struck out looking for running backs, I think Chris Thompson's a fine complimentary piece. Darius guys could be your bell cow. And, and hopefully they figure out a way to keep Kirk Cousins. You have a good offensive line. I think Darius guys there would be, he would probably be a rookie of the year candidate in Washington. Yeah, I agree. Geis is probably one of the most pro-ready players in this entire class when you yep. look at him. He's just so fun to watch. He's healthy again, and that power is coming back. 11 through 15 for me is Christian Wilkins, Roquan Smith, Harold Landry, Denzel Ward, Calvin Ridley. So we get a little defensive heavy here outside of Ridley, but I want to talk about Roquan Smith. This is such an interesting player to me because I do think he's the best off-ball linebacker in this class. I, you know, he's listed at 6'1, 225. I've heard rumors that he's playing at about six feet tall, 215 pounds, which Ooh. is very small. But yeah, that's very, yeah. that's really undersized. So he, I assume he's going to come into the combine similarly what Darren Lee did and get his weight up to about 230, 235. He has the frame where he could fill it out. I always say it like this, though. When nobody can get to you before you get to the ball, it doesn't matter how, how small you are sometimes. And Roquan Smith, beats everyone to the ball. See ball, go get ball. His pursuit is incredible in that Georgia front seven. I love the player. I am keeping him in the top 15, and I do think he's he's going to put on the weight that's going to make him... You know, it's hard to predict, project where an off-ball linebacker goes because, once again, it's a position that's become undervalued, but he's a first-round player to me. Nice. I like. It. I've had people ask me if he's a safety, and it's like, oh, man... I don't know. Uh, similar don't to Sue Cravens is what they're thinking. Yeah. With that, that's or, what I figured. Yeah. yeah. I don't like you know, that at all. But Telvin Smith, a lot of people said the same thing. You know, oh, see, exactly. Because he was like 6'2, 220. So that is a, a very interesting one. What, um, what did Telvin tell you again? Why take a lion out of the jungle? Yeah, which there aren't lions in the jungle, but it's a great quote. <laughs> I love <laughs> <Right>? it. <laughs> all right, man. Finish it out with your 16 to 20. 
Yeah, I went Derwin James. I uh, would like to see a little more from him this year. I think he's just been yeah. solid, not the spectacular hype that we were expecting. Carlton Davis gave you guys him earlier on College Player to know. Will Hernandez from UTEP, a team that I believe has still not won a college football game this season, but he is really impressive. And he was, you know, the main guy for Aaron Jones when Aaron Jones had a really nice season leading up to the draft last year in that offensive line. So Lamar Jackson sneaking him into the top 20. I just think he's going to go in the first round. I think somebody's going to take the chance. It's a big roll of the dice. I'll admit that. But I do have him in the top 20 as it stands. And then Cortland Sutton. He's the guy I want to talk about on this list sitting at 20. I think with Sutton, it's not a great receiving class. But what Sutton can do with a quarterback that can put the ball near him changes an offense. Similarly, what Alshon Jeffrey had done for Jay Cutler I think what Alshon Jeffrey can do for Carson Wentz right now, Sutton is a guy that just goes up and wins you the football. I think he's gotten no help during his career at SMU. Matt, we have voice concerns. We're curious how he's going to run at the combine. We yeah. don't, you know, we don't think he's the fastest guy, but I think he can still be a very, very productive red zone kind of player, and that's you know high in demand in the league right now. Look at where Josh Doxson went not too long ago, and I think. His skill set is going to be viewed very as the same, but I think he's a better player. Shit, like where Laquan Treadwell went. He can read on the field. Oh, so. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> That's just okay. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a mess. All into yeah. itself. Uh, here's my first receiver Calvin Ridley uh, at 16, Cleveland Farrell at 17, Christian Wilkins. So you got back to back Clemson guys. Then Ronald Jones, the running back from USC. And then uh, hat tip to Mello, my number 20 overall player, Joshua Jackson, the corner from Iowa. And I want to talk about this kid because I, I said before, my corner rankings have just been blown to shit this year because Holton <laughs> Hill got suspended. Tavares McFadden hasn't been good. Denzel Ward, I like Denzel Ward. He's just a little small to be a number one corner for me. But Joshua Jackson, now I hope and pray nothing bad happens to him because I've been jinxing these corners. But he looks the part. 6'1", 190. He has, I, I, how many? Five, six interceptions this year now? He had two Seems pick like sixes last week. week. Yeah, And he also forced a fumble. So he's like, you're also getting the impact to back up the type of player that he is. So that makes me really like the type of guy that he is right now. I mean, he's had five picks in the last two weeks. He has seven on the year. He picked Ohio State three times, Wisconsin twice. So it's like he's saving the best for last. And he was, you know, overshadowed with Desmond King there last year. This is the dude, man. If he runs well, and I've been talking to Matt Bowen, um, our, our buddy who's at ESPN now, used to work with us at BR. He's an Iowa grad. Talked to him a lot about Joshua Jackson. We both really, really like this kid. So he is definitely someone to watch. And he's a long corner, too. And the yeah. difference of value when you go into the combine and you measure up and you have longer arms and you're at least six feet tall, it makes a big difference. Like, we really like Denzel Ward, but it's going to hurt him when he comes in around five foot ten. No matter right. how good he is. It's just the nature of, of scouting and how it works at cornerbacks right now. So Jackson is fun because it just seems like sky-high potential, and we're really seeing it right now. Yep. Really, really like that kid. All right. That was that, that was we, quick. We were efficient for once with uh, yeah. with going down the list. Maybe, you know, we do have to do – we do have to expand this into the top 50 eventually, and, you know, we obviously won't keep you here for eight hours when we do that episode. <laughs> but that's the top 20 right now. Not – Anything too crazy on disagreements? I think Matt has a little more faith in the quarterbacks than me, but I grew up a Jets fan, so I'm an ultimate quarterback pessimist. <laughs> right. There's reasoning yeah. for that, and you know a lot of we do like a lot of you know a lot of the same players, and 
It yeah. just seems like Matt. We talked about this last time you were in town. This is a draft class where it's not very good. So find the best players that you just know are good football players and put them at the top. And that's yeah, how funny. you end up with a guard and running backs in the top. Our top five are the same players, just in a different order. Yeah, because right. I think so, it's I think it's that easy this year yeah. to tell. Yeah, so. and then after that, like it's open interpretation. Like you have Deron Payne higher than I do. I have Rashawn Evans higher than you. Like you have yep. Okoronkwo up there. I just am worried about size. Same with Okoronkwo yeah. and Smith, uh, Roquan. Only reason they're not up there for me is size. Uh, and then you have the, the guy we're probably the most different on is Lamar Jackson. Uh, but I yeah. have Josh Allen up there. So it's like we've both picked a developmental athlete, a quarterback to like hitch our wagon to. And mine happens to be Allen. Yours happens to be Jackson. So we'll see. I, uh, I think they are complete roll of the dice players. Like I will be the first yeah. to tell people like if I had to pick one person in my top 20 that I said like could be a bust, it would be Lamar Jackson. But he could also be a superstar. And I think the same can 100% be said for you with Josh Allen. So yeah. do you feel like like we were talking about Tyrod earlier? I don't think that's an awful comparison for Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar is a more electric runner. I think Tyrod has a better arm. Um, yeah. And I would rather have the better arm. But it's interesting. It's, you know, I really like Lamar Jackson's release. It's like a flick of the wrist. Oh, yeah. You know, but Tyrod's got an all-world cannon. I think people don't realize that because, I mean, when you're throwing like Jordan Matthews. And I like Zay Jones. Yeah. But, like, you know, how often do we really get to see it? Not often. So, I bet they're going to be about the same size. About 6'1", 215. Yeah. I can I would definitely say that. So it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting with them. I, I think Lamar with Lamar that he needs to go to the right coaching staff that can really, you know, tailor an offense around him rather than f- forcing him into an offense. So it's gonna be really interesting with these quarterbacks because I think a lot of them are gonna be playing football very early in the NFL next year. I don't think there's gonna yeah. be a lot of sitting on the bench waiting around. No, we've seen it. I mean, gosh, Nate Peterman's starting already. So. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. good point. All right, let's take one last break. We'll come back with Kennedy, and we'll get to your draft on draft questions. All right, we know you're all actually here every week just to listen to Kennedy read us questions. Uh, We don't blame you. We get it. Uh, And you can eventually see all of us together, hopefully, on the Stick to Football Instagram. We have that now. You can follow it at Stick to Football, where we'll try to post some like behind-the-scenes stuff. We'll try to tease who we're going to have on the shows every week and, and and things like that. Hopefully, we'll get a rankings graphic made this week. Um, somebody wants to do that for us. It'd be great. But uh, let's. <laughs> my favorite part of the show, it's time for some draft on draft. All right, guys. Your first question for this week is, is it better to get a quarterback to fit your scheme or to build your scheme around your quarterback? Oh, oh, build the scheme around the quarterback. I agree. I've gone on. Yeah, I've gone on drunken rants in like in my hometown before about this at all level of coaching, whether it's high school, college or NFL. I hate that coaches come in with the scheme and say, this is what we're going to do. I, I think you can look at Sean McVay. Why have the Rams had so much yep. success? Like, yes, he like he's using his scheme, but he has adapted it to Jared Goff, you know. Peter King had a great piece on Sean McVay stealing plays from Andy Reid and from other coaches because they work for golf. So I hopefully this young generation of coaches, whether it's Sean McVay and Adam Gase or Kyle Shanahan, hopefully we will see that become a thing where guys don't just carry around this like phone book looking playbook and say that 
slam it on the table and be like, this is what we're going to run, damn it. Like, it's so much better to good coaches can fit their scheme to their players. Terry on Twitter asked, considering how weak the draft class is, should we expect more trades than normal for next year's draft? Oh, I, I definitely think so. I think you look at the teams, the obvious choices, there's just so many teams with more ammo than usual, starting right at the, with something we talked about at the top of the show with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they got multiple picks in each of the first three rounds. They can go up and get a quarterback. The New York Jets have an extra second-round pick, and it'll be Seattle's. They can come back into the first round and potentially get a quarterback or another piece that they need. The Browns, as always, have plenty of picks like to 12. work with. Maybe they'll yeah. actually make use of them this year. So... Uh, yeah, I, I do expect a lot of trades. To give you a clear-cut, simple answer, I think there'll be a lot of action in the top 50 of this draft. Yeah, and I, I think like what even what Perry was getting out of like guys trading back into next year's class, I think it's very possible. And it's always like hindsight, and, and scouts and general managers love to do this shit, but I've already heard people say, like, well, this is why Houston traded up for Deshaun Watson because the 2018 quarterbacks aren't going to be any good. No one knew that in April. Like everyone loved the potential of this quarterback class, even though it hasn't panned out. So, like the guys trading up for Trubisky and Watson and Emma Holmes look really smart right now. But I wouldn't be surprised to see some people bail out of this year's class because, you know, like kind of like we talked about earlier, Connor and I basically have the same top five. After that, it falls apart a little bit. So, it wouldn't be a shock to see teams value these players really differently. And because of that, we'll see a lot of movement. Bard on Twitter asked, five years from now, who wins the Super Bowl and who wins the NFL MVP? Oh, I already know. I'm going to take the LA Rams and Jerry Goff. Oh, I love that. No, so that 20, what, 2022, 2023? Give me a Sports Illustrated cover like that dude who called the Astros, man. I'm all about it. (laughs) Oh, man. Five years from now. You know what? J-E-T-S. Can I give you... can I give you my pick if it's not somebody that's in the NFL? Yeah. Uh, Jake Fromm from Georgia. Oh. Wow. Win- wins the NFL MVP. Now, that'll be a little early for him because that would be year number three. But I think he's yeah. going to be an absolute superstar. Big Ben did it. So there's your there's your outside-the-box pick. Uh, if we're talking Super Bowl in five years, it'll be Baker Mayfield with the New York Jets. Uh, that's not even something you have to think about. You know that's what? the easiest pick ever. I love that. We're too. all missing it. It's probably Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Tom, Tom Brady, 46 years old. Yeah. And, and I'm not even... With Adam Vinatieri as the kicker. That. Yeah. Ross Smith on Twitter asked, if you're stranded on an island with only three beers available, what would they be? <sighs> Oh, I'm going to steal this so do, for the Friday. Matt, are you, <laughs> you going to make the variety pack, Matt? Or are you just going to go three of the same? Um, <laughs> I'm so unprepared for this. God, this like. Dude, this is like right up your wheelhouse. I You're know, always but prepared just pick, for this. Like, narrowing it down to three is tough. I would take, obviously, Boulevard Wheat. Because I can drink that all day. Um, this time of year, I really like Sam Adams, like the winter lager. Um, that, so that would be like my heavier option. And then I would just take a shitload of Coors Light just for that, you know, the easy drinking. If I'm going to be stranded on an island, hopefully I've got my golf clubs there somehow and I'm hitting balls into the water, crushing some Coors Lights like Steve Spurrier. If I'm, if I'm on an island, I'm going to assume it's warm, so I'll take, uh, I'll take a Pacifico. Oh, damn it. That's Keep that call. pretty simple. Yeah. Um, I'll take one of my favorite beers is from Iceland. Uh, I'll take an Einstock. Wow. And then, man, the last choice. That's tough. 
I had one recently uh, from our good buddy Jake that works at um, Bleacher Report, specifically on the fantasy side of things. His family is part of 42 North Brewing Company up in Buffalo, and they had a beer. It's called, I think, Lucha. So I know that's really random, but it'll give some people listening to the show something to look up and try out. I had it at a tailgate, and it was delicious. Nice. There you go. Anthony Mongo on iTunes. Oh, um, boy. What is the toughest trait to evaluate for a receiver? Ooh. So I've always felt like receiver is the easiest position for me to evaluate. And not, I mean, I'm not trying to sound cocky. They're all really, really hard to evaluate. But I think because I played it and then coached it before I coached quarterbacks, it's just a little little different. And I, it's not like I played it at a high level. I mean, I was awful. But you still, like, understand the position a little bit. So I would say the toughest trait is their ability to learn an NFL playbook. And I've seen people I say IQ. I've yeah. seen people on right Twitter away. be like, NFL playbooks aren't that hard. How can these guys like not be ready in two to three days to play? And I'm like, fuck. Like, <laughs> like yes, they are. They are very complicated. Yeah, sound and, more ignorant. And going from like look at Laquan Treadwell, going from Ole Miss, where he was the man. Like he was one of the best receivers in college. He can't get on the field in Minnesota. So just the, that ability to, and not to just be able to like memorize a route tree, but to make, you know, make side adjustments, to adjust for coverage, to understand hot reads. Like it is a complex, you know, playbook and system. And I, I do think it, and that's probably the hardest thing for every position. Now with receivers, I've never met a receiver that's not a diva. And like, <laughs> so that's part of it too of, man, when this get, guy gets 10 million, is he going to spend it all on chains and earrings and cars and houses and, or like, is it going to go to his head? Basically, is he going to become a problem? Cause it's, it's pretty like that happens more often than probably than people realize where a guy, and it might not even like become public knowledge, but like guys just become problems at that position. Yeah. For me, it's a hundred percent IQ. It's that's what gets them on the field. That's what keeps you on the field and quarterbacks will hate you if you don't know what route you're supposed to be running. So I think it's yep. the hardest thing to tell in, in college because some of the dumbest guys look like the greatest wide receivers in the world in college, and just, they just don't translate to the next level. And some guys obviously do. So that would be my answer. Sports Freak 1369 on iTunes asks, although Joe was the most elite QB, yeah, he had to add that in there. That's really good. <laughs> it's time for the Ravens to move on. If not, when would be the right time? Ooh, it's I go I googled his contract in the middle of our earlier segment. That's what I was doing when we were talking about <laughs> Tyrod Taylor because I was like, could Tyrod just go back to Baltimore? Um, good luck moving nope. on is my answer. Google his contract. Shit. There's what Matt sixteen to twenty more guaranteed million dollars. Yeah, left on it? he they don't even wow. have an out till 2020. Yeah, you're you're stuck with Joe for at least two more years, yep. Baltimore. Which means you so, should draft someone like Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, who need about draft two someone, years. Exactly. Yes. And that, that's like the thing that I love Isaac Newsom. I've said before, I, I think he's probably the best GM in the NFL. What I don't understand is like they don't build depth on offense ever. Like the depth on defense that they have at times can be really impressive. But on offense, like you have Ryan Mallett as your backup quarterback. Like they it's time to draft for the future. So hopefully they figure that out. They have a lot of needs on offense. That wide yeah, they took Brashad Perriman in the first round. Bad. I mean, yeah, they need running backs. They, they need a lot of they shit. They need a lot of actually. things. Yeah. Damn, maybe Eric DeCosta will leave. Fix the Ravens. Fix, Fix them. The Ravens. Yeah. Next segment. 
Ryan207 on iTunes asks, what is the one college or NFL team that you have enjoyed watching the most as a fan? Rams. Yep. Had to get it in before, Matt. No, I Rams. agree. And it's also okay. because I get to sit back every week and put my feet up on the desk and just like feel really good about that Jared Goff grade because I – and hopefully you guys listening know that I, I will call my misses all day like, and we'll talk about it and we'll joke about it and I'll own it. So when you do hit on a player that for a year people told you sucked and told you you sucked at your job over, that is the best feeling in the world. It, the, in this profession, there is nothing more gratifying than when people tell you for an extended period of time that you suck at your job and you're stupid and you should die, and then that player ends up an MVP candidate. That feels pretty fucking special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely that. And another reason I like watching the Rams is I think Sean McVay is the best in the NFL at just stealing or not even st- drawing up whatever works best, whether that is stealing from someone else, whether that is his own stuff. You can learn in one Rams game what's working in the NFL right yep. now. It's just amazing to and that, watch. That and I'm energy so is happy he's doing well. So much fun. Like, oh, it's contagious. On the, the, the culture side, of that team is entirely different. Yeah. On the college side, I do enjoy watching Miami because they are just feeling it right now. Like with they the turnover chain and yeah. like the energy <laughs> that's there. But I also love watching Kennedy's Oklahoma team. And I can't Ugh. when Melo hears that, he's gonna punch me in the throat. Because we're Texas fans, but Sorry, I love yeah, watching a, Baker Matt, Mayfield. That's taboo what you I know, just did. I know it, but I love watching that Baker would Mayfield. Be like, oh, that would be like me as a Mets fan saying, like, man, I really can't get enough of this Yankees team this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have Aaron Judge. I mean, uh, yeah, you're right. You're talking from your job perspective, right? Not from your fan perspective. You don't really love Baker Mayfield. I do, actually. Yeah, that's my guy. Do. That's that's my guy. We're the same size too, so it makes it great. Like, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> okay, our last question of the day comes from Ace Thirteen Smith on iTunes, who's a very worried Colts fan. Is it time to seriously consider Jacoby Brissett as Colts QB one? And what do we think about Luck going to Europe to get treatment? I'll, I'll tell oh. you what. It's a damn good thing they have him because we don't know anything about Luck's future right now, no, and don't. that. All these people that are like, "Oh, Jacoby's going to start somewhere next year." Yeah, it might be in Indianapolis. It might be. They might not have. They might not be able to trade him. So I don't know what to think about Luck going to Europe. I mean, do what you got to do, and if that's the best option, then then go get it done because this is the most mysterious injury we've seen in quite some time. It really it's is scary. And if you're a Colts fan, you should probably feel good about two things: that Chris Ballard went out and got Jacoby Brissett, and he looks good enough that we're having this conversation, like of man, this kid actually looks pretty good each week and he has nothing around him and he's still making plays and he, he he could be a quarterback of the future. So you should feel good about that. But then also like Peyton Manning went to Europe and a lot of people thought he should never play again with the neck and he came back and was great. And Kobe Bryant went to Europe and got, you know, got treatment. So that's right. That's I, I think one. there are some guys who've went over there and it has worked for them. There's probably been guys that have gone over there that we haven't heard about, you know, I, who knows? J.J. Watt might be over there right now trying to get his stuff uh, in order. But I would be – I wouldn't give up hope on Andrew Luck yet. And the good news is you have a very nice contingency plan, and you have a general manager who is not going to take any shit, which is why Vontae Davis is gone, and he will build this team. I, I'm confident in that. So you you should be worried because Andrew Luck is a great quarterback, and he's losing time in his prime, which is terrifying. But – 
you you have a nice contingency plan there. Don't be too worried, Colts fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you, it's going to be okay. You have Chris Ballard, one of the best GMs, with Ed Dodds. Yeah, you need yeah, a new head coach. You'll be fine. But other than that. And you might need a new franchise quarterback, but hey, who's panicking? (laughs) Yeah, that was mean. That was mean. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) You got the Jets fan over there just shitting on everybody. I I just (laughs) feel I was gonna say I really I got some nerve. I'm sorry, everyone. All right. uh, I did tell before we go, I did tell I said on Twitter yesterday, I was like, Yeah, I had a great time with LaShawn McCoy, my new favorite running back. Somebody tweeted at me, some Jets fan you are. Wow. I was like Okay, so I'm supposed to be mean to LaShawn McCoy when I see him? Like, uh, sorry, LaShawn, I'm a Jets fan. I can't can't be friends with you. People are ruthless. They are. Fans are special. If you're ever having a bad day, just remember you're not Matt Miller on Twitter. That's what (laughs) I tell people. That's what I tell myself every day. All right, guys. That was pretty fun. That was a good solid Uh, loaded episode 32. Yeah, next week's Thanksgiving. But we will be here for our regular show. Uh, It'll still come out on Wednesday. We appreciate you guys being patient with us uh, while Connor got to go out and hang out with his new BFF, LaShawn McCoy. Oh, we're boys. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully by the time you're listening to this, you are... I- I'm going to start my Thanksgiving fast. Like, you're today. Fast? I try to... Yeah, I try to, like, clean it up, like, before Thanksgiving. I got to get ready, so... Oh, man. I just want to sleep. That's all I want to do. Matt, when are you back in New York? Uh, uh, in two days. That's what I like to hear. That's what I thought. So we get to do a in-person show that'll be out before Thanksgiving. So yeah. when you want to take that nap, you can just throw on stick to football <laughs> and not fall asleep and listen to us talk instead. Or so, when you have to make right. that drive to your in-laws, just throw on That's a, a better football point. and oh boy. Get, be in a good mood when you get there. I got a three-hour train ride to my parents' house, so I will listen to ourselves speak. Which I can never get enough of. I have no but. in-laws. It's the joy of being divorced. Uh, after I eat at my parents' house, I'm going to go home and lay on my couch. So That's pretty great. It's all pluses <laughs> for me, I tell you. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us for episode 32. As always, I'm Connor, alongside Matt Miller, and our great intern, Kennedy. We will catch you next week for episode number 33. And make sure you listen to Stick to Football Friday, episode number three, coming out this week. <laughs>